what conditions are stipulations magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation I don't want to talk about it we're gonna have to talk about it in May Arizona's marrow baking temperatures were gathering momentum, poised like a roller coaster car to plunge relentlessly into summer. Perched here, 15 year old Daniela confronted the specter that has haunted teenagers from time immemorial. She was pregnant. Now, note, Daniela is not a real person, not a real name. All of the substantive details about this story are an amalgamation of different girls' stories and have been further scrambled and tweaked to doubly protect everyone's anonymity. However, all the substantive details are things that have really befallen minors. Finishing her sophomore year commanded all her expendable energy. Between finals, science olympiad, and getting her learner's permit, she knew before even deliberating that she didn't want to continue this pregnancy. But in Arizona, as in 35 other states, she couldn't independently choose to end her pregnancy because she was under 18. Daniela's mom, a former teenage mom herself, and now, ironically, my age, had long been abundantly clear that if her daughter ever broke her vow of abstinence, she'd be out on the street. So she couldn't tell her mom, let alone get her permission. Her dad had absented himself from her life, so he couldn't give permission either. I'm awarding him one of many gold stars owed to cishet men in this story. So, Daniela's only option, at 15, was to petition a court to allow her to make one of the most intimate bodily choices and avoid parenthood, a judicial bypass. That process brought her to me. These days, I'm one of only two trained judicial bypass attorneys in Maricopa County, the massive and politically infamous home to Phoenix and its metro area. On top of the ever-multiplying restrictions on abortion at large, most states don't allow minors to have an abortion at all without parental involvement. This was true even in the Roe era. Some states now require both parents' consent. Some require consent and a notarized letter. Parental involvement laws may not seem like a big deal at first, and they may even seem to protect minors. But these laws create a far more dangerous world for children under 18. The judicial bypass workaround is technically a good thing, relatively speaking, as an alternative to giving a pregnant person's parents an absolute veto by withholding consent. It's literally a judicial bypass for parental involvement laws, by which a judge, instead, can grant consent to an abortion. Judicial bypass procedures are the best option in a very shitty, very unnecessary legal scheme. I would be happy to be out of a gig if through abolition thereof, but to be fair, judicial bypass work is unpaid anyways because Arizona doesn't guarantee minors a right to counsel in judicial bypass proceedings. In other words, these young people have no right to an attorney's representation and guidance through the proceeding, and since they're not entitled to an attorney, our services are entirely voluntary. Ominously, though, the requirement for this alternative to a parent's absolute veto, a judicial bypass, was only necessitated by Roe guaranteeing a right to abortion, and privacy and bodily integrity, all of those thus decimated by Dobbs. Now, without Roe's constitutional right these days, the future is even more tenuous for minors. Look, Roe had problems. It left massive cracks for people to fall through, and those gaps were wrenched wider for decades by laws designed to chill access, 
like parental consent laws, like unnecessary quote-unquote medical requirements, like transvaginal ultrasounds requiring hospital facilities beyond just clinics, etc. All these creative legal maneuvers to chip away at abortion rights. But, as long as Roe still existed, there were certain boundaries and a baseline right. So we're in a pickle. The whole sub-issue of minors' access and judicial bypass kind of flies under the radar, even with repro rights in the spotlight. Very few are aware of the issue, fewer still are trained to help out, very little donation money is allocated to help, and some repro nonprofits don't even know about it to be able to inform their clients and volunteers. On the one hand, with today's rhetoric pushed so far to the right and dire conditions everywhere, I don't want to draw too much attention to judicial bypass because this imperfect option could be put entirely on the chopping block pretty easily without the safety net that Roe provided. On the other hand, though, without more awareness, pregnant minors won't get help in time, volunteers won't have resources to help, state laws will inevitably multiply, and all of this will ultimately create a greater risk for the most vulnerable group of people who can get pregnant. Where we are now, with two attorney volunteers scrambling to help the fourth most populous county in the U.S., is unsustainable. In that interest, and with nobody here but just us values-aligned chickens, Delve with me into the daily emergency of judicial bypass. An absurd tautological legal standard. There's very little clear nationwide guidance for what's required to grant a minor's judicial bypass petition. All the Supreme Court wrote was that a minor must show she is either one, mature and well enough informed to make the abortion decision, or alternatively, two, an abortion is in her best interest. Okay, well, if she's decided that it's in her best interest, it's in her best interest. And or, if she's not mature enough to get an abortion, she must instead become a parent? On paper, the standard seems to invalidate itself. In practice, even in the best case scenario, these standards reach beyond a minor's preparation for a preventative outpatient procedure and seem more appropriate to determine parental, not abortion, fitness. Most courts rely on the first option, the mature and well-informed standard. Best interests is so unclear that judges can be reticent that the subjectivity involved will lead to appeals. Since Bilotti, the case that established that standard, didn't provide or limit the criteria used, states have been allowed to create their own high, subjective, and variable maturity standards for judges to apply totally discretionarily. For example, Florida courts must consider factors like demeanor, intelligence, and credibility. Other states limit the locations where a minor can file, or convert all filings to adversarial proceedings. Some in the latter category go so far as to appoint guardians for fetuses, who will then oppose the pregnant child in court on behalf of, in one case, for example, baby Ashley. When looking at the sterile contours of these laws, we should return again and again to the actual people being affected. Return to who you were at 15, give or take. The uncertainty, the myopia and grandiosity, the obedience and boundary testing. The sphere of the high school, her mom's house, and her first love were the entire world to Daniela. And, as dawned on me when she texted the night before our petition filing, that she guessed she couldn't go because her brother couldn't give her a ride after school, life hadn't yet trained her in problem-solving and consequences. And that's as it should be. The teen brain is literally not fully developed. But yeah, go be a parent. 
Doing this work with Arizona teens has shown me how much youth amplifies the effects of abortion access restrictions. A teenager who doesn't want to be pregnant and can't tell their parents is already overwhelmed and already ill-equipped for adult responsibilities, like, I don't know, making their own doctor's appointment at a specialized facility within a prescribed time limit. Add a 24-hour waiting period, required by Arizona law and thus creating two required clinic visits, and anti-choice crisis pregnancy centers outnumbering actual providers, and the hurdles heighten. Arizona law also carries a higher evidentiary standard in judicial bypass, which means that minors must present extra, clear and convincing evidence of their maturity. But as a generality, what demographic has more trouble loudly praising themselves in public settings than teenage girls? Daniela's petition. I first met Daniela by phone, specifically via text, because another thing teens and millennials struggle with is phone calls. I'm no advocate for pointless professional formalities, so it was a win-win. But still, sometimes overwhelmed pregnant minors just stop replying and disappear into the ether, leaving us with only fervent hopes that they found some solution that was right for them. Every ounce of her terror, angst, and effort came through Daniela's formal text overture. Hello, Mackenzie. My name is Daniela, she started. I felt so acutely a feeling like sending your first professional email. Correcting for too many exclamation points, then taking pains to convey kindness ever so carefully. Just the ceaseless edits of a two-sentence communique to somebody who you think probably doesn't realize that your life and sanity hang in the balance of their reply. Together, we sorted through the details of Daniela's life for the facts that would make her look the most mature and well-informed to a presiding judge. I warned her that a judge might ask her for intimate details about how she got pregnant, or if she knows that an abortion can result in death, and that she should do her best to stay calm if they do say those things. During the school year, when the court's working hours are almost exactly the same as the hours during which children are expected to be in school, scheduling a hearing is its own battle. Usually, a minor can only be signed out of school by their parent or guardian, the exact same people the proceeding is designed to avoid telling. COVID has at least presented the useful alternative of remote hearings, the utility of which has persisted, <laughs> despite the legal profession's best efforts. So, Daniela appeared remotely, between her high school finals. As her hearing started, Daniela was petrified and apologetic for not being able to mask her terror. When the judge sternly asked Daniela about how she'll deal with the inevitable regrets of ending her baby's life, what she'll do to avoid dying if she hemorrhages, I clenched every tooth and muscle, endeavoring to achieve telepathy. But we made it. This day, for this girl, went smoothly, and the petition was granted. Of course, we'd need the hard copy original court order to bring to the clinic, and that would have to be picked up from the courthouse one and a half hours away from Daniela's house out in Apache Junction. Luckily, Daniela had a lawyer, and luckily her lawyer had a mom willing to Uber to work to let the lawyer use her car to drive to the court, put the order in an inconspicuous manila folder, drive to Daniela, park three houses away, and orchestrate a handoff. Each success takes so many moving parts and committed people, all just for someone, one person, to exercise control over their own body and not make a new unwanted person. When it doesn't work, 
judicial bypass denials. JB judges determining whether a minor is mature and well-informed have denied those who've done medical research, received counseling, and presented evidence of strong academic performance or financial independence. An Alabama judge harangued a minor on record about her religious and sexual habits. How many times did you have sex? The judge needled. Where did you do it? He eventually suggested that the minor turn to religion. Another minor was deemed too mature because it was, quote, not mature of her to put the death of this child on the conscience of the court. In other words, seeking an abortion was so immoral that the very choice made her too immature to get one. Minors and other rights, minors and other medical decisions. Before we wrap Daniela's story, and she was not yet out of the woods, having seen some of the reality, let's step back and address minors' rights in general, and their freedom to make other medical decisions. With or without Roe, parental involvement laws and judicial bypass are unjust, excessive, and for anyone legitimately concerned, unnecessary. There's exhaustive evidence that a system that just relies on parents to safeguard children's best interests will fail to actually protect children's best interests. And we know this intuitively, in part, minors share many of the same fundamental rights as do adults. As stated in Tinker v. Des Moines, which confronted minors' rights to free speech, children do not, for example, shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. Even more relevantly, the Supreme Court invalidated a law in 1976 <laughs> that prohibited contraceptive distribution to minors under 16, explaining that neither the Constitution nor the Bill of Rights is for adults alone, and a minor's decision whether to beget a child was still protected as private and fundamental. Unlike rights that apply differently to minors and adults, think buying pornography or, hopefully, a gun, this rights exercise can't be delayed and exercised later. In other words, a minor denied an abortion cannot wait and terminate the pregnancy later when they're all grown up. The level of control that parents wield over minors' abortion decisions is strikingly unlike the parental control allowed over any other medical procedures. When minors and their parents disagree about other medical decisions, even about, say, elective and cosmetic procedures, courts consider many factors beyond parental rights, like the risk of treatment versus denying treatment, the child's preference, and medical opinions. Ultimately, the child's best interest is usually the deciding factor, and if a child is able to express her positive preference, this factor often weighs heavily in favor of the procedure. I should note that for all of these things um, that I'm saying so conclusively, if you look at the uh, Substack version, so at mkzjoybrennan.substack.com, there are citations if you want to read more about these cases. I should just note that I'm not pulling these out of my proverbial something. In those cases, a neutral physician consults periodically to avoid accidentally depriving a child of their liberty. But obviously, anti-choicers wouldn't acquiesce to medical expertise informing judicial bypass cases, since the medical and scientific communities are in consensus that parents should not be involved in minors' abortion choices. The American Academy of Family Physicians, American Academy of Pediatrics, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, American College of Physicians, American Medical Association, and Society for Adolescent Medicine all consistently oppose parental consent policies. This probably has something to do with the risks of teenage pregnancy. It's also because, despite their struggles and mushy prefrontal cortex, 
Minors 15 years of age and older consistently display capability to, quote, engage in adult-like decision-making thought processes, i.e., these young people have sufficient capacity to consent to medical treatment. Abortion-seeking minors face all the challenges of being young with neither the support of youth nor the rights of adulthood. I checked in with Daniela after her scheduled appointment and was dismayed. She didn't go, she told me, because she didn't have a ride, and she couldn't pay for the procedure or a rideshare out of her bank account for fear of her mom's reprisals. I guess I'll just stay pregnant and my mom will find out and I'll get kicked out, she continued. I don't know what to do. Note, it took two to tango, but the second of the two who tangoed, Daniela's boyfriend, was still conspicuously absent from supporting, funding, even being present. This is often the case. I swear that if I have a son who dates, I'm giving my direct phone number to all of their partners. I debated. I know that between a minor's vulnerability in this position and my position as their lawyer, my offers to help could be interpreted as pressure to make a particular decision, and I never want to seem unintentionally pushy or just become an additional source of stress. At the same time, at 15, we may not yet have the knowledge that not making a choice is a choice. I didn't want her to be stuck due to the helplessness of youth, like the cancer patient who avoids confronting her diagnosis until it's grown too much to treat it. Plus, Arizona's 15-week ban would soon take the choice out of her hands. These days, we tend to focus our dismay on states with total bans and kind of live with gestational time limits like the 15-week ban, but this is just one example of the myriad ways that these quote-unquote moderate limitations can effectively ban abortion access. All any of us can do is try our darndest to strike the right balance, doing a delicate text dance, assessing answers, and offering copious qualifiers. Is it still something you want to do, I asked? If it's just logistical issues like drives and money, I'm happy to help there. She said yes, and said that she could go to an appointment anytime, any day, if I could help get her there. So, on we plunged. Together, Daniela and I made the hour-and-a-half drive, pulling over semi-regularly for the havoc wrought on her system by morning sickness. She talked to me about her mom, her classes, her boyfriend. I tried not to lambast him too openly. And she asked me about what my abortion was like. I sat with her in the clinic lobby until the staff had taken her judicial bypass court order and affirmed her permission. That night, she confirmed, finally, success. There's such a beautiful irony in the parental caring and coordination that comes together, on a good day, to help these children access abortions. I wish that anti-choicers could pause and feel how overjoyed I was to have helped Daniela, made her feel safe enough to lean on me and check in with me, or feel how relieved she probably was going to sleep in her family's home that night. My heart is warmed so incredibly to see how people come together. The clinic staff, the abortion funding collectives, Daniela's friends and extended family, and even my mom, giving up her car so her own child could help someone else make the right choices for herself. This feels more like pro-life to me. And finally, are you a lawyer, or do you know a lawyer in Arizona who's interested in completing judicial bypass training to help minors? Because we need you, so please contact me. Um, thank you so much for letting me yammer about what I do and why I think it's so important. Um, 
As always, and as my aunt and Warren Zevon have said, enjoy every sandwich. Love you guys. Bye.